Shooting it raw? Yes. Shooting it raw. James! Hello! What up? Nice to meet you finally. Sorry. Nice to meet Sorry you too. All of this. Don't worry about it. All um, good. Listen. Uh, sure. How about you sit? Sure. I was thinking, let's make a, a, a portrait that'll be kind of funny. Sure. So that's what your face looks like. Yeah, nice to meet you, man. <laughs> uh, okay, so we've got this, this. Lean over. <laughs> and I'll just point at you and you'll be like so funny and then no, it's all fake. It's all fake. When does the photo get taken? I am, I'm, I'm in the padded room. I'm in the padded cell. Why am I in a padded cell? Because I can't get out here unless I get a thousand subscribers. So please subscribe to the podcast and then maybe they'll let me out. And to celebrate, I'll eat a Carol, whole Carolina Reaper and film it so you can laugh at me. So please subscribe, share. Help me get out of this padded cell. Hmm. Uh, I think my answer has changed over the years. When I started, it was gadgetry. It was a it was a gadget, like a piece of technology that I could play with. But um, as I've kind of mastered the basics, I think now it's more of a creative exercise, and so I just view it as a, a tool for making still images, basically. So that's what it is to me. Excellent. <laughs> nice. James, how do I say your last name? Rodkey. Rodkey. Like it looks. Rodkey. Rodkey. Where, where's that from? Uh, I think it's German. It seems anglicized. I think Radke, R-I-D-K-E, is the German, like actual German version. Like I'm, I'm from Pennsylvania and everyone there is German. So, oh. Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty sure it's from somewhere in Bavaria, probably. Got it. Yeah. Got it. James, thank you for coming on the podcast. It's like going to a proctologist. It <laughs> shouldn't be painful. It should be okay. Mm. There'll be a bit of laughing, nervous laughter. <laughs> <laughs> Hydrate. It's good. Uh, here's what's great. We're in, this is the, set, the third, the third episode um, being recorded in this fantastic space. Uh, Rachel lent us her, her her art space. So again, we're surrounded by her art, which is such a nice backdrop. Evocative. Well, okay, okay, evocative, sure. So we don't necessarily have to talk about her art because we're here to talk about your art. <laughs> but who, who is the third? The other, I'm the third. Who is the second person? Uh, Samai. Oh, she did she here as well. Get, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Did you get to meet her? Yeah, I know Samai. Of nice. course, of course. We go way back. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Well, let's just dive into the first photo. Sure. Okay. Do you want to do you want to describe what uh, what what an art, what what the viewer so somebody who's listening to this it's a podcast yes so they can't really how would you describe the image of what they would see right so uh, the the photo is titled Field of Dreams uh, which is um, makes it seem more grandiose than the image actually is it's just a, a picture of a baseball diamond in a park uh, that's it so it's from uh, behind home plate it's a pretty wide angle shot blue sky you know green field uh, and and that's basically all it is um, it's actually a stock photo <laughs> that I took so okay <laughs> yeah that's what it is okay 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 so let me also describe now what I see um, okay I'm just spinning the laptop around okay so feel the dream okay uh, dreams. 
it it references the movie or the I guess there's a, there must be a book written Field of Dreams. I have no idea, but the movie for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Of yeah. course. The bottom. So this, if we split the photo in half, the top half is the sky. So far away, you can see trees. Uh, they're quite dark green because of the exposure. The sky has uh, some clouds. Um, it's mostly you know cyan with white and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's sky. And then the bottom is the like a well-tended, well-kept baseball field. The actual mound, which is earth, so it's got the brown color and it's outlined with the white chalk. And do you know if it's chalk or if it's... Do you, do you know baseball really well? Uh, well, I mean, is that really a baseball fact to know if the chalk is chalk? No, no, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> did, you, did you play baseball? Yeah, I did. As a kid? Okay, of okay. Course. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. It's probably chalk. I assume it's chalk. Okay. Did you ever snort it? No. Ah, so how do you know? Okay. <laughs> so you're, you're discovering that I'm an idiot. Okay. Well, you have great teeth. Thank you. Jeez. American. <laughs> Baseball teeth. It's beautiful teeth. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, the shot is of, 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 it basically, it's very symmetrically shot. So I, I can see what you mean for as a stock image, but in a way, like, it's all just well composed well balanced the grass is really rich and green and really manicured but you know because of who i am and what i'm like i immediately ask okay why 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 start the conversation with field of dreams right so um it's because of how i got into photography and how well how I, how I learned about photography so i didn't grow up with anybody who was really uh, a photo buff or anything i didn't grow up with film photography uh it was you know for me a camera was maybe when i was younger a little disposable one you might take on vacation or something you know get it developed at the one hour photo but i never carried a camera around nor did anybody in my family so um, it wasn't until I was at the end of high school, like beginning of college, uh, that I even um, cared about photography at all. And uh, my avenue in was, was the digital route, right? So film hadn't interested me at all. But as soon as there was digital photography, I was kind of a com computer nerd. Mm. So now that I knew I could take a photo and put it on my computer and run it through Photoshop and do whatever I want with it, you know, send it to people, whatever, then all of a sudden photography became interesting. Okay. So uh, I just, you know, I was obsessed with like those early sony digital cameras that had like three megapixel sensors the little compact digital ones sure. so i started out with a couple of those and um just upgraded a couple of times to get like the next better one you know they were growing by leaps and bounds at that point so i did that for a little while until i got my first slr so that was like maybe 2003 something like that mm -hmm. um just a you know like an entry-level canon you know uh digital rebel as they call it in the states uh, with a couple of like crappy Sigma lenses from eBay, right, mm -hmm. just to get me started. Um, and I had no idea what I was doing. So I had no formal training. Uh, I never took any courses, um, anything like that. Uh, I didn't really have any close friends or family members who knew a lot about it. So I was really on my own, just, you know, trial and error, trying to figure things out. Uh, and so I don't remember how I got into um, stock photography, but I found iStock Photo, uh, which was uh, a relatively small uh, stock photo company at the time. They're now owned by Getty Images, so mm -hmm. like they've been bought by the conglomerate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know how I found but it, it was interesting because I, I was like, oh, I can make money doing this. And it was early enough that everybody didn't have an SLR and everybody wasn't shooting right. you know, so photos you all the time. Yes, the market was not saturated as it is now. So it was wow. possible to do it back in the day. Um, so I uh, got involved in this website, um, went through their like kind of crash course training program. And then uh, I just 
basically like learned to take photos by this vetting procedure that they had um, because it's stock <laughs> photography so it has to be perfect right because wow. if it's not uh, they reject it yeah. um, and send you sometimes like a list of reasons things you have to fix sometimes if you fix them you can resubmit it other times it's just like this photo sucks and we're not taking it so right. try again right um, and they get pretty angry if your rejection rate is very high. Sure. So you can't just, you know, flood them with images because someone actually has to look at it and, you know, take the time to give you feedback and, like, take it into the collection or yeah. reject it. So um, basically by going through that vetting process, I learned how to make good, clean, well-composed images because they had to pass through right. this filter of, yeah. you know, somebody saying, yeah, we'll accept this into the collection. So um, I did that for years. And this specific image, for whatever reason, was one of my most downloaded ones. Okay. I think I made several thousand dollars in royalties on this image Uh, and I used all that money just I put it back into gear and just bought better cameras and and better lenses and everything James (laughs) I had no idea this is what I I love this I love this I love this I love this okay so I'm going to interrupt for a second sure please it's a conversation it's a conversation (laughs) is that how podcasts work my goal is to make that Pakari sweat come out of your nose (laughs) okay so uh, for those who don't know Pakari sweat is uh, it's like Gatorade or whatever. Yeah. And uh, in Asia, it's very big. And it's just weird for us to kind of look to buy a drink as a thirst quencher. Yes. That's called Picard Picard Sweat. Sweat. Yeah, so it's a like, terrible uh, name. Yeah. Well, for us. I'm a, I'm a photo nerd, a photography nerd. That's the, the main sort of entry point of, of the podcast. And I have known a lot of professional photographers I have, you know, photojournalists and all this thing and in terms of how they've come into photography, myself, my own story of, of, of selling and, and doing, you know, using or monetizing photography, whatever you want to call it. You're the first person I know. For me, it's an awakening. I'm just like, that's amazing. Okay, 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 okay. So this is how this is how you learn. Like, it's like school of hard knocks in terms of commercial the commercialization of it okay yeah. keep going yeah yeah very much so so yeah i got a lot of my basic education basically like responding to feedback that i would get from rejected photos uh-huh. you know, where they would say oh, the, it's not good for these reasons try to improve uh, these things about it and then i would go back and try to figure out if i could do that wow. uh, and that's how i learned the basics of ex- exposure and like iso because you can't shoot high iso images for stocks if it's noisy they won't take it right yeah. it's useless so anything above like iso 400 at that time was they would just reject it out of hand sure so you know i had to learn to use a tripod and uh, get faster lenses and all these things that would you know improve low light photography and work on composition and like really all the basics um it, it ticked all the boxes so yeah it How made amazing. me learn amazing okay yeah okay. so i so i chose this image because it really uh just illustrates how I got better at photography. Yeah. So the gadgetry got me into it, but uh, like trying to make money as a stock photographer, that's really what taught me the craft, at least in some aspect of the craft. Right. Stock right. imagery is a very specific uh, type of imagery. So it's not like, um, you know, you learn everything about photography from that because it's very sanitized and sure. kind of commercial. Yeah. But um, it helped me a lot. Um, so that's how basically how I got my start. Uh, and I was able to also finance buying because photography is an expensive yeah. hobby, right? And I was yeah. I didn't um, really have a full-time job or anything. Then I was like, you know, college student, high school student. So um, yeah, uh-huh. find, finding thousands of dollars to, you know, buy a full-frame gear and L lenses and things. Have you, yeah. did you ever bump into one of your photographs in your life in terms of how it was used and you go, oh, wait a second. Uh, I think it was kind of hard to do that. Although if it depended on what kind of license the image was purchased under. So 
sometimes if it was a big uh, order, like someone purchased maybe uh, the license to reprint the image like 100,000 times or something, um, then you might be able to see the contract and, and maybe from there glean the information uh, from maybe where it would appear. So I okay. could go find it maybe. Right. Um, but uh, I haven't. I don't think I've bumped into any of my photos just what? in the wild anywhere. Um, oh, but, okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's perhaps I've seen them and just not really noticed it. Right. You know, picked up on it because it's all very generic kind of stuff yeah. where like my stock photo could be indistinguishable from somebody else's of the same kind of thing. You know? Okay. So, um yeah, but it would be it would be neat. Uh, I could see how this photo, uh, Field of Dreams, you know, the the basket, you know. So it's the, the what's interesting to me is that the mound doesn't look pristine. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't look like freshly whatever brushed or whatever it is, because the earth looks like it's been stepped on, but not too much. Mm-hmm. So it's just funny. So I could see how this image would tick the boxes for like a, a annual report. Or a website for whatever, you know, whatever it is, you know. So, yeah, it's a, you know, it's, it's, but it's, it's fascinating. I'm, I'm, I have no idea. This is great. Uh, you want to stay on this one or you want to move on to the next one? Uh, well, just a, a PSA for anyone who wants to, maybe wants to emulate my success. It's not possible anymore. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, iStock, it still exists, but it's been bought by Getty. Um, yeah. And it's been pretty well gutted. It's, the forum used to be like a fun place to be. It was a cool little hangout for like people who are trying to make a, make a living. I suppose there are probably a few people in the world who still do make a living doing stock photography, but at this point, uh, you have to have a studio, you have to be shooting really specific things for really specific right. clients. Right. Um, you can't just kind of walk around and take pictures and upload them anymore. Uh, there's just millions of photos in these collections and yeah. it's just too hard. So I was lucky that I was able to sure. uh, to do that at the time. So I just, you know, was very, very fortunate. Yeah, because th- as you were talking to me, the, the one thing that occurred to me was that over time, I could imagine plotting a graph of the income over time in that the more people go into it, the more people you're competing against, which means the harder it is for your mm-hmm. photos to get chosen. And then over time, like, so when did you start? Uh, I think probably around 2003 is when I got okay. in. So yeah, pretty early on as far as digital SLRs wow, wow. go. Okay. So yeah, in those first several years, maybe first four or five years, it was pretty fruitful. Wow. Yeah, but then the collection really did grow exponentially. Um, okay, so like they do. At the time, you were in uh, Las Vegas. What? No, where did that come from? Oh, no, sorry, <laughs> I, I get these flashbacks. All right. Oh, okay, so uh, no, at the time you <laughs> I've were, never been to Las Vegas. <laughs> okay, but at the time you were in what city? Uh, Pennsylvania. I was, Pennsylvania. Yeah, I was in York. York, Pennsylvania. York, Pennsylvania. Okay. How big of a city is this? It isn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it was technically the first capital of the United States of America. That's fun trivia. Okay. That's, that's a real thing. New York, first capital. First capital. Got it. Yeah. But that was only so that like the, the Redcoats wouldn't burn down Philadelphia. We were right. just kind of you know moving it off to okay, the side. Okay. Because okay. it's fine if York burns down. But you started in York. Uh, yeah. Okay. And then what, where did your journey go? Like how did, did you, you were photographing there for a few I think years? this would have been my undergraduate uh, yeah, I was a college undergraduate. So I was at Pitt, University of Pittsburgh. Okay. So yeah, just you know, uh, transiting back and forth over summers and everything. So wow. I was in, in the Pennsylvania area. Um, what were you studying? Uh, classics. So I have uh, both of my degrees are in Greek and Latin. I'm a Latin teacher. I, I know. Are <laughs> like, you a Latin teacher now? Yeah. In in Hong Kong. I taught Latin this morning to children. You taught, the man teaches Latin <laughs> in Hong Kong. You're gonna you're gonna have to bust out some Latin. You have to do it now or later? Uh, I don't have to. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> say I don't have to in Latin. Can you say that? 
<laughs> Nikesa non est mihi. Ah. <laughs> it is not necessary for me. Great. Ah, I, ah, I, I can't <laughs> stop smiling. Okay, great. This is awesome. You, shall we go to the next one? Sure. I forget what it is, so you're going to have to remind me. Copan Monastery. Monastery. Oh, okay. Okay. That's uh, a good one. What? It's a good one. It's a great one. I love <laughs> it. So the, let me describe it. So the, the the format is more of a. It's not quite a panorama, but it's a very wide shot, very wide scene, cropped that way, or that. The... I have a shot as a multi uh, pano kind of stitched together in Photoshop. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay. It looks like it's in Italy. Where, what, what country is this? Uh, if that's Copan, it is in Nepal. It's in Nepal. Ka- Ka- yeah, it's Kathmandu. I am absolutely uh, dumb. You know? <laughs> in fairness, the monastery looks different from the rest of Kathmandu. Okay, okay. Just the colors. Okay, but anyway, so, so uh, the, now that you say Nepal, I can see some of the little anchors. But, but it's like you're standing on a, the top of a hill looking down across like, sort of a garden grounds with, with fountains and uh, stupas, I guess. Those are stupas. And on the right, you have like a white building. I guess this is what made me think of Italy, white with sort of cream trim, I guess. And they're below, down the hillside, it could be villas, but it's trees. It's coniferous trees, deciduous trees. Uh, and then in the back, you have a large, a large city. So uh, do you need to look at the, at the photo or you can remember it? Like, why would you put this as this second image? Is this a stock image or is this a completely uh, different? Nope. Uh, yeah, this is much more recent. Okay. So, um, yeah, this is probably more in line with the sort of things that I shoot these days. I okay. like landscapes, uh, especially, um, uh, you know, multi-image uh, stitches. You can oh. do a lot of cool things. It's very easy to do now with software. So um, it's uh, it's good because I, I shoot um, micro four-thirds now, which is a very small sensor. Right. So uh, to get more resolution, sometimes you just need to shoot um, with more frames. Are you an Olympus man? Yes. I am. Yeah. Panasonic nice. can go to hell. Okay. <laughs> we have strong feelings. Yes. Uh, although Olympus doesn't exist anymore. Now they're OM Solutions. They've oh, rebranded. Okay. So okay, yeah, okay. there is no such such brand as Olympus. They're uh, gone. Okay. Sadly. Um, yeah. Anyway, so uh, so yeah, this scene, I suppose it also, uh, we can depart a bit from photography for the moment if you want to, because it's more about travel Let's and just about talk. living in Asia talk. Yeah. And, and all that sort of thing. So. I do love to travel. It's it's basically the main reason that I left uh, the U.S. was you know not that I wanted to be away from America for any particular reason, just that I wanted to see the world, and, yeah. you know, do other things and places and all that. So I like to travel, and uh, being in Asia, it's very easy to get to all kinds of crazy yeah. places. So when I first showed up in Hong Kong uh, in 2013, I was dashing off practically every weekend to you know wherever I could oh, wow. I could find. Um, and so fairly early on, uh, I made a journey to Nepal. Um, I didn't do it in a good way. In fact, it was a stupid <laughs> idea, but I didn't know any better. So I basically just went for a long weekend <laughs> wow. to, yeah, to Nepal, which is far enough away that you shouldn't do that. Okay. Um, and I also didn't experience any of the, like the hiking or the mountains or all the reasons that you actually go to uh-huh. Nepal. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't have a guide, no, you know, no Sherpa. I, I have to interrupt for a second because sure. do not beat yourself up because one of the best things, like, when, when, so when I, I moved to Hong Kong, mm-hmm. In 2003, so when you were starting your journey in photography yep. or, or stock photography, uh, that's when my wife and I landed in Hong Kong. And one of the reasons why we picked this city above all the other cities was its place. Hmm. And how far is the flight? Six hours? At least. Yeah. It, okay. might, it might even be more than that. I think I stopped over in New Delhi, so I couldn't even, you can't go directly okay, here, okay, obviously. Okay. So yeah, it was, it was a bit of a hike. So like one, so one of the ideas of us coming to Hong Kong was that, look, it's a, uh, it's, it's such a hub and it's such a great place to be in. So you went for a long weekend to Nepal. 
super rock star maneuver, right? <laughs> so, okay, so uh, <clears throat> one, for one of my birthdays, my wife took me to Manila for dinner. Yes. Like, I we like went for do. dinner and of came course. back. Like, how's, <laughs> how, you know, like, it's yeah. just kind of, anyways, yeah. back in the day when we could travel. Yeah, of course, tier. So he went to Nepal for a, for a long weekend. And how would you convey to somebody who's listening to this? Like if you were to put a seed in their heads to mm. say, yo, the world is humongous and beautiful and whatever you want to say, like whatever connected the pool that drew you out into the world, how would you shape that seed? I think when I, after I came home and I was just, you know, ruminating on, on the experience and everything. The one thing that, that really stuck with me was just the idea that like, you can like Kathmandu was a real place that you can go visit. Wow. You know, like growing up in America, America is very insular. We have everything we need. There's really no reason to leave. So most people don't. So, you know, I hadn't traveled a lot growing up. And so someplace like Kathmandu, Nepal just seemed like an abstraction. Yeah. It's like, okay, I can see photos, but clearly there's no such place and yeah. you can't, can't go there. Yeah. Right. Um, but it is a real place and you can go there. Living, and I, and living, I did. Yeah. And so that was the most interesting thing to me is that, you know, if you'd told me 10 years prior that, you know, I was going to visit Kathmandu, I would have been like, okay, first of all, where's that? <laughs> and second of all, no, I'm Over not. Over a not. long weekend. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. By myself from Hong Kong where such I live. Such a porn star. It's just, it's just silly. <laughs> so, uh, but the trip was not restful uh, at all. Okay. Kathmandu is crazy. Yeah. It's absolutely a uh, bonkers place. Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't believe that like this is their capital city. Okay. Right. Uh, and it's like on fire. And I was, I was there right after the earthquake. So everything was oh, wow, you know, wow. even worse than uh, I suspect it wasn't great before, but yeah. it was even worse then. They were wow. rebuilding it literally as I was there, right? They're huh. passing stones around and rebuilding everything um but it's noisy it's dirty it's chaotic yeah it's it's bustling and busy and it's interesting and vibrant and i think relatively safe um it's a it was an interesting experience uh, but it's absolutely chaotic and, right. and and nuts in the city yeah um so i spent a few days just kind of walking around i didn't really have a good plan I, I was by myself i was just looking down interesting streets wandering walking as far as i could and just seeing if i could stumble on Sure. Anything interesting. And then I think um, maybe in one of the few moments when the Wi-Fi worked at the hotel, uh, when the power was actually on, I, I just tried to look up interesting you know, things to do within the city. And I sure. found this Copan Monastery. Uh, and I think it might have been my last full day that I was there. And so I you know, got a, a taxi to take me up uh, and leave me there for a while. And it was just the experience was so starkly different from okay. everything else. Right. Uh, because it's at the top of a hill, as monasteries tend to be. Yeah. Uh, and it's like you see in the photo, it's completely serene, tranquil, calm. Yeah. There are little like monk kids in the robes running around like it was it was quiet. Mm -hmm. um, it was everything that Kathmandu isn't. OK, so. The juxtaposition of those two scenes was just incredible to me that within right. the city you could have these two extremes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, I, it was the, my favorite thing that I did while I was there for sure. Okay. Um, and yeah, it was the, the best time that I spent. I'm, I mean, I'm grateful for the chaos and everything that I experienced because sure. it was great to, to be in that environment and to have those experiences. But uh, yeah, even after just a couple of days, getting away from it. <laughs> and you did a vacation from the vacation, you know. Yeah. Uh, and that's what the monastery was. So um, I think that's my, my lasting memory from that ridiculous oh, wow. trip that I didn't plan out well. But I got this one good shot out of it that yeah. I really, really like. No, it's, it's so, stunning. Yeah. So the podcast is a reflection of where my interests are. And 
I kind of ask people to join that I think would be interesting. And then, and then we kind of start finding where are the, the overlaps. So you, a lot of people shit on their, them, their countries by saying, well, you know, people don't really travel. Well, maybe people in Europe aren't like that, but mm-hmm. most people in Canada don't really leave. Yeah. And most people in the U.S. don't really leave. And yep. most people tend to be based in where they are. And something about your brain, your DNA, your experience sort of said, well, I'm going to look beyond. And, and within Hong Kong, Hong Kong attracts all people who have that in them in a way. Like it was like that for me. It was like that for you. It was like for Rachel. And then you have this impulse to go to Nepal. Now, have you been back? Have you, how many times have you been to Nepal? Just the once. Okay. Yeah, I should absolutely go back uh, whenever we're allowed to do that again, um, because it would be good. It would be nice to go back and uh, not stay in Kathmandu the whole time. Okay. 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 <laughs> you know, I'm not really a mountain climber, but certainly getting out, sure. you know, and uh, doing some of the more nature-based things, I think, would be. Uh, that's the principal reason people go there. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So if I go back, I think it would be probably to to have a very different experience. Yeah. Of course. Of course. You want to move on, or do you want to stay on this one? Uh, we can move on. I, I have absolutely no idea what the third photo is. That's so. totally fine. Yeah. This is we're both discovering it. It's great. <laughs> uh, this is Lago di Como. Uh, now, this is definitely a, a uh, more panoramic image, as far as the, the as far as the dimensions and proportions. Is this a stitch image as well? Probably. Okay. Uh, so essentially, the image is it's on a overcast with sunny breaks so you can see a little bit of sky it, the image is dominated by these the hillside or, or, or mountains like there's no snow on the on the peak i could imagine that in the winter maybe there would be snow but uh it goes down pretty sharply down to the water's edge and so uh when you photograph this if you did you are the photographer yeah yep. so when, so the photo yeah so when you photograph this you must have been on some kind of boat because there's, you know, let's say one fifth or one quarter of the image at the bottom is just, is it salt water or fresh? Fresh. Oh, it's a lake. Yeah. Okay. Lago di Como. There so you go. Lake. There we go. There we go. <laughs> you got there. I'm just a little slow. <laughs> so do tell. What am I looking at? Yeah. So that's Lake Como in Italy. Um, a lot of, uh, I suppose, a lot of reasons. Ah, that's fun. Cool. Okay, that's good. Very good. Very good. Yes, we're gonna have to bleep that, but yes, good. Uh, so I think Italy was uh, probably, in many ways, my my window to the rest of the world. Oh. So yeah, the first time I really left the U.S. Uh, was in high school with my Latin class, as you do. Right. right? So I st- right. studied uh, Latin in high school, and uh, when I was in eleventh grade, we went to Rome. Um, wow. And yeah, up and down um, southern and, and uh, middle of uh, of Italy, and that was yeah, like really my first. It was my first time in Europe, certainly. Wow. Um, and um, so that was really my first taste of of something completely different from yeah. what I what I knew. Uh, and so I think probably from there I, I knew that I was going to to go back and and keep seeing Europe at least, if not the rest of the world. It must have been, so. You're how, how old? Seventeen? Sixteen? Yep, seventeen. Yeah. So it must have been something. Pretty intense. Like in classrooms, you're studying, you're getting the, you're getting the the story and the language, and you're you're you know you're you're getting that immersion in the language. Okay, and within that language are the fables and whatever of. If it's Latin, it's going to be 
the anchor to Italy as well and all of that. And then you guys go there. And so you're, you go there as a, on the one hand as an immersion in terms of the language and the culture and the geography, but also the fact that you're coming from the States and you haven't seen something like this before. And then you went back to make this photo, right? Yeah, I've, I've been back to Italy a dozen times or so. Okay. So yeah, it started a... Well, it's probably a lifelong obsession with oh. Italy and Rome specifically. Oh. So, yeah, it's kind of my second home. Oh. Yeah. How do you say I love it in Italian? <laughs> uh, well, amo is I love. Lamo with a L apostrophe, perhaps. I love it. Mi piace. Okay. Lamo. Okay. Uh, I love it. I love it. Fantastico. Uh, okay. Okay. So, so we're framing the con- – the, okay, so you understand curating a collection from – the um, your work doing stock photography so even though maybe you didn't work as a curator yourself you had mm. to curate your work to make it sellable and all this stuff yep i say to you pick four photos let's use that to curate the conversation so now we're in italy we're looking across this lake why in your mind do you have this impulse to bring us to this place yeah i think um just Italy and travel to, to Italy, my experiences there have been a really big part of my life. Uh-huh. So, yeah, first time was in high school. And uh, then I think the following year, my senior year, we actually had an Italian foreign exchange student come to my high school in Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. Uh, his name is Federico, as okay. any Italian would be called. Sure. Um, and he's still a very good friend of mine. I still uh, I talk to him um, still. So Awesome. Uh, yeah, that, that's a lifelong Italian friend I made. And then when I was in uh, college... My sophomore year, I went uh, to study abroad in Rome um, for a semester, uh, and my apartment was just outside the Vatican. Like, okay. It was amazing. So I would walk home uh, through a tunnel to get to my apartment, and as soon as you come out of the tunnel, you can see the cupola of St. Peter's Basilica. Yeah. Uh, I'm not Catholic or religious at all, but it's just a very striking sure. Uh, sure. place to, yeah. you know, to see. So I was there for four months, had a great time. Um, it was such a great experience that two years later, my senior year, I did it again. Mm. So uh, I went back to Rome, studied abroad at a different university for another, um, another four months, another semester. So uh, that was great. Um, but may then, I, yeah, may go I for it. The question? Yes, interject. Have you been? Have you ever been mugged in in, in Italy? No, but I know people who have. Of course, yeah, yeah. of course. Avoid the train station. Okay. Just stay away okay. from train stations, okay. and you'll be fine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> great. You see, so some useful information. Yes. On this top podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In general, awesome. yeah, the uh, Europe doesn't have a lot of violent crime like here, but uh, yeah, theft and that sort of thing happens yeah. quite a lot. So yeah, just tie down all your shit. Yeah, yeah. It's very important. Um, but yeah, I've been lucky enough not to have that. Okay. Happen. Okay. So, but you're saying you're so you're, you're across. Okay, so let me just again tie it. To, okay. So I've been to Jerusalem, and you know, if you're talking about antiquities and stuff, there's that feeling of like psychically, it's something pretty <clears throat> powerful to walk down streets that are one, two, three thousand years old. Yes. That you look. And you're just like, okay, there's there's a corner store where you can buy whatever, and you look up, and then there's like this architecture that is that people looked at two thousand, three thousand years ago. So, like you're saying in 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 Rome, coming from the U.S., I could see why that would have an impact. Okay, Take yeah, it from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that that's an important point. It's it's difficult. Every, I mean, every time I, I, I go to Rome, I, I still feel this obligation to be odd just because I understand on an intellectual level, you know, the 
uh, gravitas of everything that I'm actually seeing. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. the history that happened there. This was the city that ran the world basically sure. 2,000 years ago for you know centuries. Um, and it's such an interesting and important place. And yeah, when you look around um, at Rome, it's, it's an even weirder case because it, it, in most cases, all the buildings, uh, they haven't really, um, you know, like bulldozed the ancient stuff or built around it. They just built on top of it. Okay. So every building there has like an ancient foundation. And then when you get above street level, it's, you know, apartments and things that right. have been built, you know, more recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the building, the ancient foundation is still there. It's not even like you have to try to, to look to find it or go anywhere. It's just everywhere. Right, you can't right. get away from it. Yeah. Um, so that kind of thing is amazing. I think the one of my favorite examples of that, uh, like a thing that I always marvel at, that I, I can't not think about when I'm in Rome. Yeah. So there is a little um, place called uh, Largo Argentina, and it's uh, kind of a sunken um, little forum area, just like one square block. And it has some ancient ruins sticking up out of it. And it's most famous because uh, it's in the city center, but it's also overrun with cats. Okay, <laughs> there are okay. cat, like wild cats all yeah. over it. And you wouldn't know it standing there unless someone told you and they should really put up a plaque or something but the right around that area is exactly or precisely where julius caesar was assassinated oh wow um, and again there's nothing to mark it sure. because it happened in um not the uh senate house where the senate usually meets but at, at that particular moment they were meeting in the um, theater of marcellus or the theater of pompey uh nearby which doesn't exist anymore okay uh, but you can still see kind of the outline the curve of the street where the building right. was because they built kind of around it um, yeah. so the building's gone but you can still see the you know the if, if you know what you're looking for you can know yeah, where the you echo. are yeah. it, precisely and so every time I walk around there, I'm like, Julius wow. Caesar was stabbed to death by his friends, <laughs> right? <laughs> like near where I'm standing. Amazing. Um, and that, uh, yeah, that never not hits me. It's it's yeah, pretty incredible yeah, yeah. to. And Rome's just you know filled with things like that. Sure, sure. Walking around sure. the Forum and uh, the Colosseum and everything. Um, yeah, it's an incredible place. I had an epiphany this year about Italy. And tell me. How full of shit I am, but maybe something here is going to ignite something. Okay, so I grew up in Montreal, you know, really I'm a Canadian Montrealer. Okay, Western, you're an American. Okay, so I've met a few Italians and they're really conscious of the geography of Italy. If you're from the <laughs> north, and the south and all this stuff. Okay, fine. Yes. Now, one of the things that, that, that I came to realize was that if you're born in Italy, it's in the same way as if you're born in Jerusalem mm. or born in Israel. It's like you can't escape, well, in Israel, in Jerusalem, you can't escape the religiosity of the city. Like it definitely seeps into everything. Yeah. Similarly, in, in Italy, you've got the whole history of there, of the place, seeped in everything. The arts and, and the philosophy and you know, the language for sure. And coming from North America... We're, we're somewhat, so I was, I was thinking about this in terms of art, mm. right? So artists from Canada, for sure, C Canadians are like this, uh, Americans as, as well, are, we're not as shackled to the past, mm. right? So in a way, it's Because like, we have no past. <laughs> well, no, but, or it's, or, or it's a different, I think, no, there is a past. I think in Amer America, there's a lot greater emphasis on the American past, right? Yeah. Uh, in Canada, there's a lot more understanding recently of, coming to terms with the First Nations or Aboriginal or yes. whatever the term you, you appreciate, <laughs> past. Okay. Because the, the, the Canadian Western past uh, is problematic for a lot of people, but it's relatively recent. Yes. So, so in terms of a, a creative expression, right? Like 
When an artist from Canada or from the U.S. is there, they're kind of unshackled by history. Whereas, I like, when I speak to Italians who talk about aesthetics, for example, or philosophy, you know, they have the Renaissance baked into the culture, into their history, you know. So, so how I described it was I was saying it's like, it's kind of like you're in a, you're shackled. You're not tied down, like you're leashed to this history that is so profound. And in a way, you, like I've had a couple of Italian artists on the podcast. Mm. And I brought this up with, with them. And, and, you know, especially one guy, just I think he kind of thought I was a bit of a, of a kook or an idiot, whatever. But because you've done this trip so many times, so how do you interpret the aesthetic or the... the the mindset that you bring each time you go there in terms of the baggage you're carrying compared to the baggage they're carrying, like all that stuff. Mm. Yeah, I think, um, well, perhaps a related photo question to that is, is how do you keep taking a camera back to the same place over and over again and find new ways to look at that place okay. and new, new things to shoot, right? Sure. Because, um, yeah, certainly every time I go back, uh, you know, there's usually a few years in between. Sometimes there, it's a very different occasion for me going there. And so um, it is fresh and new and, and there's something different every time. Uh, while there's also, you know, the fact that I've been there so many times before. So, yeah, I think it's tricky. It can be difficult to uh, to to do that and to find fresh inspiration, I think, every time. I think whatever you go to a place for the first time, it's hard to avoid, avoid being a tourist while you're there. Yeah. Right. And have that. Uh, so you almost forget about your artistic expression and you're just like, Oh, this is an important, like the Eiffel tower or something like I have to yeah. take a photo of it. Yeah. Um, it's much more difficult to try to photograph the building. One of the most build, you know, famous buildings in the world in a way that no one has before. Sure. Right. That's really the trick. So I think probably as we mature as, as artists, we want to be able to stand out to do something different mm -hmm. that people aren't doing. Okay. And it can be difficult to figure out how to do that. So I think every time I, I go back to Italy now, uh, I very much feel that way okay. where I'm walking around with my camera, but I probably take fewer and fewer photos every time I'm there. But when you go back, are you going back to make photographs? Or are you going mm -hmm. back to connect more culturally, linguistically? Like, how are you going back? Or what's drawing you each time? Yeah. So uh, to Rome in particular, um, I think I just have so many fond memories there. I just love the city at yeah. this point. Like, I, I know it pretty well. I'm comfortable well, there. You should. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure. I can get around most of it, uh, you know, without a map, that kind of thing. Um, I do like being able to practice Italian. My Italian's not very good. So uh, it's it's good to have that excuse. Okay. Um, although every time I go back, the the Romans seem to pick up more and more English, okay. so they don't uh, oh, they don't okay, want okay. to speak Italian as much. Right, right, right. Um, so okay, yeah, that's, that, that's a disappointment every time I go. Okay. <laughs> every time I go back, are you cold? Yeah, we is probably aircon. Is the aircon? Yeah, um, we can. yeah, I think. Is we're, there, I don't want you to the jeez. <laughs> I don't want you to be cold. That's fine. Um, uh, but yeah, photography, of course. Uh, right. I think when I'm walking around Rome, uh, I always have a camera on me uh, at all times, just just in case, right? Okay. Um, uh, actually, one thing I have picked up on is old Fiat 500s, okay, uh, because they come in every color of the rainbow, and right. so I like trying to, you know, it's like Pokemon, I'm trying to collect them all, trying to get one of every color. Okay, like so. Photograph or <laughs> yeah. car? Yeah, yeah, photograph. Okay, okay. Yeah, try to get a shot of every every That's color I can find. So that is something that because uh, it, it gives me a reason to scan the scene anytime okay. I turn a corner, so okay. I can find a new one. Picture this: uh, Where do you live in Hong Kong? Uh, Kennedy Town. 
Canyon de Say. Where I used to live on Sense Street. Where do you live? Uh, just off of Victoria. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. So in the middle of the night, you're out with your friends, mm. having drinks, all this stuff. A punk like me breaks into your apartment <laughs> for whatever reason. Is thinking to himself, I want to steal this guy's camera gear. Yeah. I figure out where in the hell, this small place, you've hidden all your camera gear. <laughs> it's not hidden. Not hidden. <laughs> It'd be very easy to do. Great. Thank you. Walk right out with it. What would I find? Uh, Describe so, your kit. Yeah. <laughs> I have it obnoxiously laid out on a shelf because nice. I'm, I'm kind of OCD and it's so... Uh, like I think it actually slopes down from the like the tallest, no. tallest lenses on the left side down I to the camera. It. Yeah, it's it's kind of ridiculous. You would be right to laugh at me. If no, 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 no. I love it. I love it. No, because it's it's a, it's a it's a choice. Like it says. Like for example, I have all my camera gear actually strewn in the house in two different places. Yeah, and it looks like I barfed it because sure. that's and that's just the, how my brain works. Yeah, but in your case, okay, so. How much kit do you have? Uh, well, at this point, uh, I think I have just what I need and not much more. Oh, so okay. um, several years ago, because uh, I shot Canon full-frame SLRs mm-hmm. for 10 years or something. Mm. Uh, and then actually it was the occasion of moving abroad that uh, caused me to rethink my whole gear oh, wow. setup. And I was like, now's the time to dump it all oh, wow. and, and do something else. So that's when Micro Four Thirds, they had just uh, Olympus had their original EM5 had yeah. come out. Um, and I, it was, it looked really ad- attractive as a, like a smaller, more right. portable kind right. of camera, uh, and a little bit cheaper as well. So yeah, I, I sold all of my Canon gear. I had loads of L lenses and everything, yeah, yeah. just dumped it all and uh, just bought a much smaller Olympus kit that I basically still have. I've yeah. upgraded the camera a couple of times, but, um, so I've got, uh, three zooms. I've got a, a telephoto, um, uh, sort of a medium standard and then a wide zoom, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. those three zooms. Um, I've got, um, a 25 millimeter F 1.2, very fast of course. Uh, for portraits. That's yeah. 50 millimeters on a full frame equivalent. <clears throat> uh, a couple of manual focus primes, wow. a couple of lens babies right, wow. for creative, yeah, yeah. creative or macro stuff. And that's about it. So I've really just covered the stuff that I grab all the time. I don't like having lenses sit around that I'd never use for right. anything, right? Cause I've done that before, but I realized sure. they just sit there. So yeah. I just, I sell them. So, uh, important tech question for you. Mm. Explain for somebody who is new to photography the use of a tripod. Why is a <laughs> tripod a good thing? Uh, well, it's it's less necessary now than ever, but I think heresy. I'm, <laughs> no, sorry, <laughs> but uh, still necessary in in many situations. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think a lot of the modern uh, cameras have a lot of really good uh, image stabilization. Sure. So you can get away with hand holding shots at like one second, maybe two seconds. Yeah. Uh, which is insane. Insane. It's absolutely crazy. So, uh, you know, because before you would have had to, sh- to shoot yeah, those just, things with a tripod yeah, or find sure. a steady, like a solid surface to sit your camera on. Right. Um, but I think there are still certain types of photos where a tripod is absolutely uh, essential. So first right. of all, if you want to plant the camera in a place and and film movement, and it's really important that the camera doesn't move at all. Sure. Uh, that you can really only do that with a tripod. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you want to do really long exposures for motion, like waterfalls, people like doing the, you know, the cascading yeah. water effects. Uh, anything longer than a few seconds, you you don't really have yeah, a choice. Have to, yeah, yeah, you have to use a, you have to use a tripod. There's lots of other practical uses. Um, I started shooting uh, film. Actually, the last image will be about that. Um, and so I scan my own negatives, and I do that with my DSLR. Okay. okay. So I need a tripod for that, right, obviously. Right, right, right. Um, so yeah, there's there's still uh, lots of reasons why you want a good tripod. Sure. Um, sure. It's important to point out that a crappy one is basically like having no tripod at yeah. all. So don't yeah. skimp. Right. If you're going to get a tripod, get a there good you go. one. Good. Yeah. Landscape photography, lots of things. Yeah, like, yeah. So yeah, I have a very good tripod. Right. So and I wouldn't be without it. 
Lago di Como yeah. eh, perché? <laughs> ma perché no? e eh, why? <laughs> why we have the photo now? I look at it now I don't understand it's like a great photo but t- t- tell me more but, okay so is it how far away from Rome is this? quite yeah uh, Como is up north it's close to Milan okay yeah so it's a very different vibe it's up uh, near like the Swiss border so okay. it's it's I mean I don't know. Well, Southern Italians would say it's not very Italian up there. Oh, okay. Uh, it's much more German, Swiss, French. Sure. You know, there's there's more linguistic diversity. Okay. Um, it's a lot um, quieter. You know, okay. it gets colder up there. Yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's a very different vibe. It's hard to even tell that you're in Italy in, in some regards, actually. Sure, sure. Okay. It's a part of Italy that I had never really... I haven't been to the north much. I've right. generally been Rome and south, um, yeah. which is a very, very different vibe. As you say, like the north to south divide in Italy is is, is pronounced. Yeah. So um, the, that was the last time that I was in, in Italy. Uh, I was there in, I think, 2019, right. maybe, 2018, with my girlfriend so, who had never been to Italy. So is this, like, is a ta- is this a, a, a shot of a town? Because I can see kind of small buildings. Yep. Yeah. So Como is a, is a giant lake uh, yeah. with several kind of... Um, it almost looks like a Y, like an upside down Y uh-huh. shape. Uh, but uh, the shores are just dotted with these little towns. Yeah, yeah. And so you generally get around by ferry. Uh, yeah, okay. you, you can drive, but obviously it takes way longer to get around, uh, you know, the circumference of the of the lake. So generally if you're going anywhere, you're hopping along sure. uh, ferries. So it's all boat nice. rides. And, Amazing. Uh, yeah, with little, these little towns in the distance. If you're cheeky, you could have convinced me this was in Nepal. <laughs> because, I mean, like the, the peaks and the, the hillside is this beautiful sort of... Mm. I, I love seeing slightly denuded, slightly naked hills. And there's one perfect peak right pretty much smack in the middle of the, of the shot that is barren. And I imagine in the winter it's snow-covered. Yep. And, um, yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful image. Shall we go to the next image, sir? Sure. Okay. Do it. Now, this photo uh, is called Double Exposure, and there's a different feel in terms of <clears throat> the other images are a lot more clear in terms of what you see and what you think and what you can read. Uh, in this image, it's a black and white shot of it could be two trucks next to each other, like the backs of them, or two containers, the backs of them with the with the sort of the mechanism to open or swing open or hinge open the backs. So it's a black and white shot. What I see as a first kind of uh, pictorial sense is is these like metal container, whatever, backs. And then because of double exposure, there's like an overlay of what could be uh, ocean, I don't know if there's a if the the horizon of the image shows a, a a town. It could maybe be no, but now that I look at it, there's a, a ferry, I guess, and then the back of the spray of the ferry, and behind. So I would guess this shot was made in Hong Kong. It was uh, okay, and that it, that was like a mm-hmm. Hong Kong ferry. And since you live in Kennedy Town, I'm assuming you made this off of Kennedy Town is on Hong Kong Island for people who don't know. Yep. And uh, yeah, so tell, what, tell, explain this image, please. Yeah, so it's uh, kind of to come full circle from you know the, the first image being how I got into photography. This one is more about what I'm doing now. Okay. So uh, probably like a year, maybe two years ago, uh, I got into film photography. 
as one, I suppose, does eventually, because uh, these things are cyclical and it comes back around again. And okay. so, film's very popular these days. It is, uh, okay. you know, with uh, with kids and whatever. Um, mostly hipsters, people who listen to vinyl records. It's right, the same, right, like right. same crowd. There's a lot right. of the Venn diagrams too. You know, sure. concentric circles. So yeah, so I've started uh, getting into film, which has been an education. It's been a very crazy thing. Expensive um, education. Very expensive. Okay. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that that uh, needs to be mentioned because it's not cheap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially because I shoot medium format for oh. for no good reason. No, listen, um, no, it's not for no for very many good reasons. But yeah, I'll argue with you till uh, <laughs> we're blue in the face. No, okay, no, got it, got it. So which camera are you shooting with? Uh, I think that one. I have a Mamiya six four five AF. So, yeah. Yeah. So it actually has uh, autofocus. What? Ah, oh, you betrayal. No, I know. Course, yeah. It doesn't matter. Uh, well, I went through several uh, manual focus ones before that. Okay. Uh, and okay. I have a second medium format Don't camera. Don't let that me give you a hard focus. time. No, Mamiya's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, I've got two medium format cameras. They're both uh, 645. Uh-huh. One's a rangefinder, which I had never shot with in my life. Right. Um, so that's been fun to, to get to use. And the other one is this uh, SLR. Uh, but they, yeah, they're both six, four, five. Although the rangefinder is vertical orientation, yeah. it's portrait when you look through it. So right. yeah, it's it's they're very different cameras. It's that's, a different feel for sure. Yeah, that's how I justify having both of them to myself. Okay. Um, so yes, this was. Uh, I think um, I shot this roll of film. I decided to do double exposures on the whole roll just because I'd never really experimented okay. with double exposure. Yeah. It's a really hard thing to get right yeah. um, because you really have to think ahead to two different frames and and remember what the other one looks like, yeah. especially on film, because you can't see it. Yeah. Right? Um, and you don't get to see it until later and you can't find out if you completely screwed it up or if it went well for sure. uh, until you get it back. So um, I shot this whole roll of double exposures and yeah, this particular shot I think was what, uh, was on what's called Instagram Pier, colloquially. Okay. Uh, it's like Western Cargo Ferry Pier or something like okay, that okay, if you look okay, at okay. it on yeah, Google yeah. Maps. Uh, it was open and full of Instagrammers for the longest time, but they've actually shut it again, so you can't go there anymore, oh, Okay. Uh, which is kind of annoying because it was a good place to get these kind of maritime feeling right. photos. So right. yeah, the the first exposure is of a, just a shipping container. Yeah. Uh, to get that kind of texture, right, That the, the metal and everything. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, the other one is just looking out uh, – over the harbor mm. uh, towards the, the Kowloon side uh, mm. with the ferry passing through. Uh, is this by the swimming shed? You know, the pier? The uh, Instagram pier? Ish, yes. Yeah, is that where people go swimming? I love that spot. <clears throat> um, so beyond the fact that it forces you to be, like beyond the <clears throat> exercise of shooting with film, Yeah. beyond the sort of the the constraints of, okay, well, I'm going to impose this constraint on me to to change the process of making images. Yeah, so beyond the actual behavior change, what is different? Uh, the behavior change is a big one. I don't want to discount it. This is, a, a, I think, one of the main reasons. Like, I did it as a challenge uh, and also just something new. Uh, I think getting into film uh, or uh, switching to digital, if you're already just doing film, um, when you feel that you're stagnating a bit and mm. you need, like, you know, a kick in the pants to go do something very different, yeah. uh, changing format or changing, you know, um, your, your medium, I think, can be a really helpful way to do that. So that's the main reason that I did it. And it is very different. Okay. Um, but uh, one of the things that I've really enjoyed is just shooting different film stocks. Okay. And uh, just noting how, how the colors are rendered, um, how the dynamic range is, what you can get away with, what you can't. Right. Uh, shooting slide film, for example, which is not forgiving at all. Yeah. Uh, color positive film. Um, 
because every film stock has a different look. And yeah. so you can't just load some film in and then just go outside and shoot. I mean, you can, but you won't be all that happy with the results. Yeah. Right? So you have to think, okay, I've got this film. It's good for these purposes. What could I go shoot that would uh, really play well you know, on this this type of film? So right. it, it makes you plan out your shoots in a, in a bit of a different way. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, because there's just more to think about. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the craziest things about film is just that the whole role has this one ISO rating and you can't change it. (laughs) So like once you load it in there, you're shooting at ISO 200 or 400 or whatever it is the whole time. And you don't realize on digital camera how nice it is to be able to change that setting right? right. uh, because then you can just shoot whatever, whenever, but with film, yeah, you really can't. Yeah. So you're locked in for that many exposures at, at that, and you got to get through it before you can do something different. Right. It's crazy. It's so restricting, and the fact that every time you pull the trigger, you know, it's like a dollar that's just you know going. That's out exactly the right. That's exactly right. They, it really makes you stop and think about what you're doing yeah. and say like, do I really want this frame? Yeah. Right. Instead of having a dollar, because yeah. that's really the choice. It makes I'm you making. a lot more. De- it makes you a lot more deliberate. Absolutely. Yes. It's a different. It's a different process. Yeah, um, I still very much feel like I'm I'm learning, yeah. uh, feeling my way through. Sure. Uh, yeah, because there's still there's just so much uh, to to get around, and and uh, one thing I, I I'm trying to get used to is like bracketing my shots, yeah, and not just assuming that I'm metering correctly and that it's going to look good, right? Uh, because if it doesn't, I'm not going to know that for like a week, exactly, right? And then exactly. you know, I can't go back and shoot it. I mean, yeah. I can, but the moment is kind of passed at yeah. that point. So um, it's really made me focus on exposure more um, than I have to with digital. What you need to do next, after you get beyond this stage, yes, is get yourself a nice four by five. Okay. And then an eight. You mean like like large format? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those guys I see with the hoods and like the little bellows. Yes. And then because then each time you trip the shutter, it's that much more expensive, (laughs) and you you're you're going to have to be a lot more thoughtful and and. There's an interesting thing about what happens in 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 terms of your sense of time, right? Mm -hmm. Like a photograph, let's just say at at one hundred. 25th of a second is is capturing 125th of a second of time onto this sensor this film and then you look at it after the fact and then that's what you're reflecting on yep so how much is photography at this point in your life more Uh, than just a a hobby Mm. i think yeah it's um it's maybe always been or for a long time has been more than just a hobby uh, it's very important for me to. Like, I actually go back and look at photos I've taken often. Okay. Um, for lots of various reasons. Sometimes they're just photos that I like and I like looking at them. Yeah. Other times it's because I want to reminisce. Like people will go through an old folder, photo album for the same reason. For sure. Because uh, I don't just keep photos that. I mean, I do delete quite a lot. I, I don't keep mo- most photos. I, I probably err on the side of deleting something if I yeah. can't think of a good reason to keep it. Um, but I've still, over the years, amassed you know thousands of photos that I can that I can look through at, at, at a moment's notice. Um, so I think it, it's definitely more like I enjoy the act of photography. Like that's the hobby part, like getting mm-hmm. out of the house, uh, grabbing you know either the 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 medium format camera or or my digital, and going out to a place and working really hard to come home with a couple of shots that I like. Right. Because um, I do enjoy the the process, uh, you know, from start to finish, really, yeah. Um, yeah. from conception to 
your post-processing and showing other people and getting their reactions and, uh, and all that stuff. So that's all great. Um, but after it's all over, I do like the keepsake as well. Yeah. Um, like there are some photos that I'm proud of that I'm like, wow, I did that. That mm -hmm, was your, mm -hmm. Or I'll go back and look at an old photo, like some of my old stock stuff. And I was like, wow, I was really young and I had no idea what I was doing. And look well, what I can do now, right? Well, it's a process, right? That you're kind of Absolutely. going through. Yeah. So I'm glad that I still have you know yeah, this yeah, range sure. to, to reflect because it really shows my development over the years and that's something that I can I can look at and that, I think that's more than a hobby as well how how did Rachel and you cross paths <laughs> that's uh that's no, because also like, interesting what's, yeah what's because she as a mensch of uh of the arts really yep. as such a you know such a kind-hearted connector yeah, it's, it's not uh, not how you would think. It's just complete serendipity, just coincidence, basically. So um, when I moved to Hong Kong, I moved here alone. I didn't know anybody. I'd never been to Asia before. I just took a job here, basically, sight okay. unseen, and, and showed up. And so my first, my very first, you know, few weeks here, I was looking for groups, like meetup groups, you know, okay. things to do. Just, you know, basically typing my interests as keywords into, you know, meetup and uh, seeing if there are any groups around. And one of the first groups that I found was Hong Kong Skeptics, because um, I had been doing, uh, I was really into skepticism and science and, sure. and all that kind of thing when I came. And so I figured, oh, I'll find, you know, a, a group of like science minded, uh, yeah. you know, skeptic people. And so I did. There was a group called uh, Hong Kong Skeptics, who skeptics in the pub, they meet in the pub, you know, right. once a month and talk about science or quackery or whatever it happens yeah, yeah. to be and uh so i found uh, i found that and i went to to those meetings and uh, at the time they were run by a guy named david young uh who is sadly no longer with us he died of als a few years ago uh -huh. um, but he had started that group and so uh, i got to know him quite well just by showing up uh, every month and i was actually there taking photos so i okay. would show up. no one asked me to but i just oh. you know always camera in hand so i was i would always show up and take photos and maybe like put them on the facebook group or something okay uh, and so uh, David noticed that I was taking photos there and he said, hey, I run this other group um, called Hong Kong Stories. Mm -hmm. Would you mind uh, coming over and taking some photos of our shows, okay. our monthly shows? So uh, I don't know when that happened. That was probably five or six years ago now. Okay. Um, so that's how I got into Hong Kong Stories, yeah. which is where Rachel is from, right. basically. So that's got my it. connection to her. So it, I had to go you know, back a few different ways through, through David Young. But yeah, it's, it's because of him that uh, I'm with the group at all. James, I, thank you so much. I, you know, I had no idea. And I didn't tease you too much about Latin. You know, I've had one Latin course in my in my whole life. One's good. It's a good start. Uh, yeah, it's a good start. But I'm not here to tease. I'm here to learn. I hope I've been a good student. I have really appreciated it. This is great. This is great. Yeah, it's been fun. Good. Do you have a show coming up? Anything like that? Any uh, books? Tonight, Any? tonight is a Hong Kong Literary Festival. Right. Yeah. So by the time you hear this, it's already over. Oh. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, you listeners out there. Uh, but yeah, so I'll be shooting for Hong Kong Stories tonight. Oh. Um, if uh, anyone wants to see my photography, it's at jamesrodkey.com. Yeah. Wicked. Yeah. James, thank you so much. Uh, of course. Fist bump. Yeah. Boom. Bump it out. Nice. Shooting it raw?